Hey, my name is Jason, and you're listening to the Embrace Church Podcast. God is doing some incredible things at each one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota. To learn more about Embrace and maybe plan your visit, head on over to imembrace.com. We hope today's message brings you hope, inspires you, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive in to today's message. Well, hey, Embrace. Welcome to church today. My name is Brian. I'm the campus pastor at our 57th Street campus. And if you're watching online, if you're at one of our network churches or one of our campuses, a special welcome to you. Thanks for spending some time with us this weekend. We are in the second week of a series called This Letter Is For You. And the idea behind this series was simply to give each of us some tools so we could pick up this book, pick up the Bible, and read it for ourselves and feel confident so that we don't have to wait for a pastor or somebody like me to come along and tell you what it says. Give us some tools to read it on our own. And last week, Austin Walker, our St. Croix campus pastor, gave us some really tangible, really easy tools to think about when we're reading. And he talked about, hey, just be active when you're reading. It's okay to mark up your Bible. Underline something that sticks out to you when you're reading. Put a question mark next to something that you don't understand. Star the main takeaway. Be active when you're reading. And that was just really good advice. And that's what I started doing when I started reading the Bible. Um, I can look back at my old Bible when I was in college and stuff, and I can see everything that I was highlighting and underlined. It was a really good step for me. And before we get into the content today and kind of the tool that I'm going to give you, I want to tell you a little secret about Brian Rock. Here's the deal. It might make you think less of me, but most of you are probably going to say, yeah, that fits. Here it is. Here's the secret about Brian Rock. I love the idea of exercising, but I hate to exercise. I love the idea of exercising. Amen. They're clapping here at the 57th. Uh, I love the idea of exercising. I love all the benefits or what I've been told are the benefits that you get from exercising. But man, all that work, I do not love that. You know what I do love? I love cookies. And I love dessert. I love chips and queso. And I love cheeseburgers. The way that when you bite into a cheeseburger for the first time, it just drips down your chin. I love that. I love cake and cupcakes and cheesecake and cake pops and ice cream cake. I love all the forms of cake. They're amazing. But a couple years ago, I tried something a little bit different in my life. I started running and exercising, and I took out all those things that I was eating, all those things that were terrible for me. I stopped eating them, and I started working out. And guess what happened? I lost weight. I got more energy. I felt like a new man, and I bought smaller clothes, and I poured myself into a medium-sized shirt. But then I stopped. At least I stopped part of it. I kept running, but I started eating all the food from before. All the sugars were back. All the chips were back. But in my mind, I thought, you know, if I just keep running, I can eat whatever I want. You know the old adage, you can't outrun a bad diet? It is absolutely true because guess what happened when I started eating all those things again? I gained weight. I lost energy. And I bought bigger clothes. And now I pour myself in to an XL-sized shirt. I didn't keep going. I didn't continue what I'd started. I liked the benefits of exercising, but I liked cake more. And I think for some of us, we do the same thing oftentimes. Somebody could have even asked me, hey, Brian, do you work out? And I, could, and I would have said, absolutely. I run two or three miles a day. But that was it. I could answer the question. And I think some of us, 
We oftentimes have the right answer to a question, but it does us absolutely no good. So that leads me to a theory that I have about us, and this is my theory. I think many of us think that being a Christian is simply the answer to a question. And here's the question. Do you believe in Jesus? Here's the answer. Yes. And for many of us, we believe, hey, if I've got the correct answer to that question, then voila, I'm a Christian. Well, back in the day, if somebody asked, hey, Brian, do you work out? I could say, absolutely, I work out. But I'm going to go eat a 6,000-calorie burger. Well, Brian, you've got to keep going. That's not, you're just answering a question. Just because I worked out didn't mean I was fit. And here's the danger that I think we have in thinking that being a Christian is simply the answer to a question. What if, what if I can say I believe in Jesus, but I don't follow Jesus? What if I can say I believe in Jesus, but I'm not actually following Jesus? What does that mean? Am I a Christian then? Well, I'm going to get back to this idea of answering a question here in a moment, but here's my tool for us in reading the Bible today. Last week, our tool was be active when you're reading. Here's the tool I want to give you. Know the setting. Know the backstory of the Bible. When you go to a movie, don't you want to know the setting? Don't you want to know what's going on? You want to know, hey, is this happening in 1940 or is it present day? Is there a war going on? Is it peace? Uh, Is it happening in outer space? If we know the setting of something, then we know and understand it better. So it's the same thing with the Bible. Know the backstory a little bit. And I want to give you a little backstory on the book of Colossians. Now, the book of Colossians isn't actually a book. It's a letter. It's a letter written by Paul to a group of people in a city called Colossae. Colossae is a town that no longer exists, but if it did still exist, it would be in what is today southern Turkey. And Colossae, back in the day, was actually a pretty happening town. It was hopping. Before Jesus, uh, back like 100 BC, before Jesus was born, there was a lot going on in Colossae. They, they had a number of products that they sold, but they had one specific bestseller. Their specific bestseller was something called Colossinium, which was a luxury garment. It was a wool, deep red. It was dyed deep red, and it was this luxury garment that people would use for clothing. They would use it for blankets, those types of things. And the only place you could get it was Colossae. And so for a while, things were great in Colossae because when people traveled there to get this item, what did they have to do? Well, they had to find a place to eat. They had to find a place to stay. And so the entire economy of Colossae was really built on this one item, and things were great for a while. And then competition happened. Competition happened down the road by the name of Laodicea. It was a town about 10 miles down the road, and they came up with a number of goods that people wanted as well. And guess what their number one bestseller was? A black and red luxury garment. Just like Colossae's in many ways. But, so they had this competition going on, but then Laodicea took it up a notch. Laodicea figured out how to get kind of warm water to their town. When they put, took water out of wells, they transported it in these pipes, these red clay pipes that went on top of the ground, and the sun would warm up those pipes and therefore warm up the water inside of them. So you could go to Laodicea, buy your luxury good, and have a warm bath, or you could go to Colossae, buy your luxury good, and have a cold bath. Well, who do you think won out in that? Colossae was now struggling. Their economy was falling apart, and Paul 
who's a follower of Jesus, hears about this, and he hears about this church in Colossae that was at one time really strong. Now they're really struggling. The economy's falling apart, and their church is struggling. They're starting to be susceptible to false teachings. And so Paul hears about this, and he reaches out. And this is about the year 60 AD. And this is what Paul says in chapter 2, verse 3. He says this, In him, in Jesus, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies or high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. So Paul reaches out, and I want to show you like what Austin told us to do last week. This is what I would underline in that passage. I would underline verses 6 and 7, and look at what Paul says in 6. He says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Do you notice what Paul threw in there? You must continue to follow, follow him. Paul is telling us that answering a question isn't enough. Are you a Christian? Well, you must continue to follow him. Brian, do you work out? You must continue to work out. Stop eating that hamburger. You must continue. You must keep going. The answer to the question is simply the start. Answering the question is just a reference point to begin. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to give us two steps to combat this belief, to combat this belief that being a Christian is simply the answer to a question. Because I think it is clear that Jesus gave us far more than just an answer to recite. And the first step for us to combat this belief is that we have to accept the offer. We simply have to accept the offer, which it kind of sounds like we're answering a question, but there's actually a lot more in accepting an offer than just answering a question. A couple years back, I went on a mission trip to South America, and I was going overseas, so I had to get some vaccinations. Many of you have probably had to do this if you've traveled abroad. I got five shots in one sitting, which was ridiculous. I think I was a kindergartner the last time I got that many shots. I got five shots in one sitting, and one of the diseases that they vaccinated me for was yellow fever. Yellow fever to me sounds like one of those old-timey diseases that should be gone by now. Yellow fever sounds like the disease that your character got when you were playing the game Oregon Trail. You remember the game, you'd shoot 600 pounds of buffalo, only be able to carry 50 pounds of meat back to your family that was dying of yellow fever? That's the one that they vaccinated me for. Do you know what's in the vaccination, the vaccine for yellow fever? Do you know what's in the vaccine? Yellow fever is in the vaccine for yellow fever. They injected a small amount of yellow fever into my body so that my immune system would build up against it, fight it, so that I wouldn't actually get yellow fever. They put yellow fever into my body so I wouldn't get it. Some of us have been vaccinated from Jesus. We've been given just enough of Jesus to keep us from actually getting Jesus. We've gone to church for years, We know all the words to the songs, 
We reminisce about our confirmation day. And when we walk through the doors, we are far more excited on a Sunday about the coffee and the cookies than we are about singing praise to the king of the universe. Some of us have been given just enough of Jesus to be vaccinated from him completely. Just enough of Jesus to be vaccinated from what he actually offers us. But for some of you today, that's not your story at all. You didn't grow up going to church. You didn't like church. You had a bad experience at church, maybe. For some of you today, you're here simply because somebody dragged you here. Or you're here today simply because your life is going bad, and you're like, well, I'm going to give church one chance. I'm going to give God one more chance because it cannot be worse than what I'm going through now. Maybe that's your story. But here's what's great about what Paul writes. Paul writes in verse 6, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord. When he wrote that, he was referencing something that is offered to every person. The person who walks in the door every Sunday and the person who hasn't come into church ever. Paul is referencing something that is a beginning. All followers of Jesus have to start somewhere. We start by accepting what Jesus alone can offer. And here's what Jesus alone can offer. He can offer payment and forgiveness. Payment and forgiveness. Think of it like this. I, oftentimes I picture a canyon. When I think about those of us who have yet to accept the offer, I think about back in the day when I accepted the offer of what Jesus was offering. If I'm on the edge of a canyon and I'm looking down into the canyon, this is what I see. I see every mistake I've ever made in that canyon. I see all the petty jealousies. I see all the angry outbursts. I see all the broken promises. For some of us, we see all the affairs. We see all of our secrets. We see all the websites that we go to that nobody else knows about. And in that canyon, it is filled with our mistakes. And on the other side of that canyon is God. And there is no way for us to get across from this side to that side without somebody getting us there. I can't span that distance. There's nothing that I can do. I can't give away enough money to get across. I can't buy my way across. I can't help enough little old ladies across the street to get across. There's nothing that I can do that will allow me to get over that canyon of mistakes. I can't do it on my own. And then Jesus comes along and he lives a perfect life. And for him, there's no canyon. There's no canyon of mistakes. There's no petty jealousies. There's no affairs. There's no broken promises. Nothing like that. Jesus lives a perfect life. And Jesus understands that we're on the other side of the canyon and we can't get across to God. And so what does he do? He makes a payment for us. He goes to the cross and he dies on that cross when it should be me on that cross because my canyon of mistakes should have earned my place on the cross. But Jesus says, no, 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 Brian, I'm going to take your spot. I'm going to go to that cross and I'm going to pay for that for you. And so Jesus makes a payment for us to get across and then he offers us forgiveness. I'm going to wipe out the entire canyon for you. So that now when God looks at me, he doesn't see my mistakes. He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your canyon of issues. What he sees when he looks at you is Jesus. When he looks at you, God sees perfection after you have accepted what Jesus has to offer. Payment and forgiveness. 
That's all you have to do is accept it. It's more than answering a question. You are accepting something that he actually offers. And once you have accepted Jesus' offer, there's more. Our second step to combat this idea that answering a question is what it means to be a Christian, our second step is that we have to go deeper still. Look in verse 7. Verse 7, one of the verses that I underlined, Paul writes this. He writes, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Back on the farm where I grew up in Iowa, there's this big tree. It's a big old oak tree. And anytime we're home, when we're out riding on the four-wheeler, I'll take a picture of this tree. This tree reminds me of my grandma for whatever reason. My grandma lived about two miles down the road from us in this big, beautiful old country farmhouse. It was up on a hill, and I loved going to grandma's house because when we went to grandma's house, we got lunch. And if you grew up on a farm, you know what lunch is. Lunch is cookies and lemonade at 10 a.m. Praise Jesus. (laughs) It is amazing. It's not the noon meal. I loved going to grandma's house for lunch. She always had lunch ready. Now my grandma, she lived through the Great Depression. She lived on a small farm in Iowa during the Dust Bowl years of the 1930s when they didn't have much. She weathered storms in her life, like her mother dying from cancer and like herself becoming a widow far too young. Grandma lived in that big, beautiful farmhouse for 30 years alone after Grandpa died. But she always had a smile on her face, and she always had time for me. And the only time I ever heard her complain was about taxes, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) Grandma's faith wasn't flashy, it wasn't showy, but it was genuine. And when I was in eighth grade, she gave me a Bible. And the great thing about this Bible, what was special about it to me, is that in the margins of the, on the pages of the Bible, Grandma had written little notes just to me. Little notes cheering me on in my faith and little notes encouraging me to follow Jesus more closely. You see, Grandma's roots went deep. She let them grow deep down into Jesus so that when the storms of life came, she was not toppled by the winds. Grandpa's death did not topple her. Loneliness did not topple her. Even taxes didn't topple my grandma. So I think of grandma when I see that tree. How deep must her roots have gone to not be knocked over by the storms of life? Look at verse 7 again. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong. Then your faith will grow strong. Let your roots grow down into him then. Paul is showing us here that there's a cause and effect. If I do A, then B will happen. If I do something over here, then something else will happen. Cause. If I only eat donuts, effect, I will gain weight. Cause. If I don't study for the test, effect, I won't get an A. Cause. If I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan, effect, I will get my heart broken. 1998, anybody? Cause, if you let your roots grow deep, effect, then your faith will grow strong. Your faith will grow strong. But you say, Brian, I've accepted Jesus' offer. How deep must I go? Well, here's how deep. Deeper still. And when you get there, 
deeper still. We have to keep going. We can't just start. We have to keep going. Let me try to explain it this way. When my kiddos were three and they wanted to play in the street, I wouldn't let them because it was a dumb idea. When my kids were three, no matter how much they would cry and whine about playing in the street and go get the ball that went across the street, I wouldn't let them. Do you know why I knew it was a bad idea to play in the street and they didn't? Because I was 30 and they were three. Three-year-olds have the worst ideas. If you're three and you ask to go play in the street, I'm going to say, no, go play in your room where you won't get smoked by a car. That's what you're going to do. And now my kids are 15 and 13, and guess what? They don't want to play in the street. Not only do I know it's a bad idea to play in the street, they know it's a bad idea to play in the street because they learned from their father who was wiser than them and smarter than them and knew more than them, and today they don't want to play in the street. And now I'm 43 years old. I've followed Jesus for 27 years of my life. And every day, every week, God is teaching me something new. Oftentimes, something new that's difficult. And do you know why, when I'm 43, God is teaching me something new? Because I'm 43, and God's like a million. Well, he's eternal, but a million is the biggest number I could think of. I'm 43, God's like a million, he's far wiser, he's far smarter than me, he knows better. And when I'm whining and crying, towards God, he says, like a loving father, deeper still, Brian. There's more that I have for you, Brian. God wants me to go deeper because he wants my roots to grow down into him so that my faith will grow strong. But many of us still argue with God, don't we? If you're here today and you haven't accepted what Jesus has to offer, you haven't taken that first step, Don't worry. Those of us that have, we aren't that far ahead of you because we still argue with God every day. And our arguments are different, right? For each of us, they're different. Your argument might go with God might go like this. But God, I don't want to give up drinking. I'm not really an alcoholic. I just need two or three beers to relax at night. And God says, son, deeper still. I know something you don't, son. I can see things that you don't. Deeper still, let your roots grow down into me, son. Or maybe for you, your argument is not that. Maybe for you, your argument is, but God, I don't, I don't want to forgive him. God, you know, you know what he did to me. I cannot forgive him. I will never forgive him, God, Never. Deeper still, daughter. Can't you see, daughter, that your grudge is a poison in your veins, not his? He doesn't care. Can't you see that I know better? Deeper still, daughter. Like I said, I've followed Jesus for 27 years, and here's been my argument with God for the last 18 months. Brian Rock's personal argument with God God, don't make me. God, I don't want to. Don't make me move my family. I don't want to do that. My kids love their school. God, don't make me. This is the only home we've ever known. I don't want to go to Sioux Falls. God, don't make me. 
deeper still, Brian. God has been telling me for 18 months, deeper still, Brian. Don't you understand? If you follow me more closely, Brian, your faith will grow strong. Brian, deeper still, there's more. 27 years, how about the next 27 years, Brian? Deeper still, there's more. So that when the real storms of life come, you will not be toppled. Going deeper means we actually follow. Going deeper means that we take our cues from the God of the universe. He's not just a God to be checked off on a box on Sundays. He is a God that we follow. He is someone who knows better and offers something greater. And if that is the case, then I forfeit my right to tell him no when I don't want to do something. I forfeit my right to tell God no when I don't understand. I forfeit my right to tell God no when I have to do something uncomfortable because he says deeper still, child. Brian, it is more than just answering a question. Deeper still. Like a 30-year-old father to a three-year-old child, I just know more. For some of us, for some of you today, you haven't accepted that offer initially. Like, that's a foreign concept to you. But the great thing about that is that offer stands. It can, it can begin at any time. Verse 6, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord. Paul is referencing a start, a beginning a beginning that is good, a beginning to walk with somebody who knows more, who has your best interests at heart. And all you have to do is a couple of things. The first thing you have to do is acknowledge that there's this canyon. Acknowledge that you fall short. Secondly, ask forgiveness for those things that cause you to fall short. And thirdly, accept what Jesus offers. I'm going to pray here in a moment, and this prayer isn't for me. This prayer is for you that haven't accepted Jesus' offer yet. If you haven't accepted Jesus' offer yet, this prayer is for you. I want you to recite this prayer in your heart and in your mind. And today can be your start. And you can start following Jesus closely and understand that he is far more than just an answer to a question. Let's pray. God, you are so good. We thank you for your son and for Jesus and for what he did on the cross for us. And God, for those of us that haven't accepted your offer yet, God, would this be our moment? Would this be our time? And so if that's you today, say these words in your heart. God, I'm a sinner. I fall short. God, I am sorry for that. I know that I can't get to you on my own. Please help. I accept Jesus today. Jesus, I want to follow you more closely. I want you to be more than just an answer to a question. Jesus, would you come into my life and would you change me? And God, that's it. That's all we have to do. Would you be with each person who has prayed that prayer? And for those of us who need to go deeper, would you walk with us today? It's in Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message moved you in any way, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to never miss your dose of encouragement. You can also follow us on social media with the handle at I am Embrace. Again, we are thrilled you took the time to join us today. And if you live anywhere near one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota, we would love to have you join us in person. You can find out more and start a conversation at imembrace.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.